0: Of heights, to the depths of the
1: sea. He says, Who will persuade Ahab to go up that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead? So one spoke in this manner, and another one spoke. And then a spirit came forward, we assume an evil spirit, and we'll look at that here really quickly. Came forward and stood before the Lord and says, I'll persuade him. And the Lord says, In what way? And he says, I will go and I'll be a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. And the Lord says, You shall persuade him, and also you shall prevail.
0: All exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. God wanted to bring judgment against Ahab, so he asked this group of the hosts of heaven for a volunteer to lead Ahab into battle. Apparently, one of the fallen angels volunteered for this task. Since Ahab wanted to be deceived, god would give him what he wanted using a willing fallen angel who worked through a willing unfaithful prophet now let's join pastor rob as he concludes the first part of chapter 22 in the book of first kings
1: you know and all the prophets prophesied saying go up and prosper the lord will deliver your hand and they finally bring micaiah before them and and um, and he's e- Micaiah is even encouraged by one of the prophets to agree with the other false prophets. And Micah said this wonderful thing. As the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that I will speak. That seems very normal and natural. That seems like the thing that any prophet should say, because otherwise you're a false prophet. And I love this. And so the king came to him and said, Micah, and you can almost hear the indignation in his voice looking at him kind of narrowly and, and saying... Shall we go to war with Ramoth Gilead, or shall we refrain? And Micaiah says, yeah, go and prosper. The Lord be with you. It's going to be great. Just just do it. In fact, if you go now before noon, you can catch him by surprise. Just go now. God's with you. (laughs) That's basically what he said. He was jesting. And so then the king said, How many times shall I make you swear that you tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And so then he said, I saw Israel. Now he gives him the true message that Ahab needs to hear. I saw Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. And let each one return to his own house in peace. We're not doing very good on time. And the king said, verse 18, Did not I tell you that he would not prophesy good but evil? And then Micaiah said, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on the throne of heaven. And this is where it gets really interesting. And just bear with me tonight. Uh, because now we peel back the supernatural veil. And now the, the, the Micaiah gives us this supernatural scene. And this is really remarkable. He said, Hear the word, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing by on his right hand and on his left. And God says, who will persuade Ahab to go up that he may fall? See, God knew that Ahab was going to fall. Who's going to go tell him, persuade Ahab to go up and the, the, to the intent that God would have this man put to death for what he truly desired? Because he wasn't listening. God knew that in the counsels of his own heart. Was it his... His desire to see Ahab pass from the scene? No, it wasn't. The Bible says that he does not delight in the death of the wicked. He doesn't delight in the death of the wicked, but he will allow the wicked to be put to death if the wicked refuse to listen to God. He says, Who will persuade Ahab to go up that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead? So one spoke in this manner, and another one spoke... And then a spirit came forward, we assume an evil spirit, and we'll look at that here really quickly, came forward and stood before the Lord and says, I'll persuade him. And the Lord says, in what way? And he says, I will go and I'll be a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. And the Lord says, you shall persuade him, and also, you shall prevail. So go and do so. Go out and do so. Now that sounds really weird, doesn't it? But it's not so strange. When we looked at Job, remember in the first chapter of Job? In verse 6, remember what happened in the heavenly scene? Again, we're we're, we're getting a picture of the supernatural now. In Job chapter 1, beginning in verse 6, it says, Now there was a day when the sons of God, the angels, came to present themselves before Jehovah, and Satan also, what? Satan is able to approach God in heaven? Yeah. And guess what? He's still doing it today. He has to go before the Lord before he's allowed to do anything. That's what the Bible says. And it says, And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, but there's none like him on the earth? A blameless and an upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? And Satan answered the Lord and says, Does Job does Job Job does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and all that he has on every side? You've blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased. Priest in the Lamb, but now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord says, Give it a shot. Now, what advantage did God have? He knew Job, he knew his servant. And this may be hard for you to understand, but I know that there are times when Satan will go before the throne and say, I want to destroy this man. I want to do this. I want to do that. And God will say, oh, you do, huh? Well, I tell you what. You can do this, but you can't cross this line. That's your boundary. And guess what? He must obey because God is all-powerful. Remember, Satan is a created being. He's not, a, uh, he's not equal with God. He's not even equal with Jesus because Jesus is God. And what does it say? And, and, he, and he says, and, and so the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. You can take away all of his possessions. You can kill all of his kids. You can take away his house. You can burn up his livestock. But you can't lay a hand on him personally. And Satan says, Great! I'm happy to do that, Satan says. Because I'm just bent on destroying the thing that you love, God. And that, that's the heart of Satan. Even if he has a boundary, he's happy to destroy. He's happy to destroy anything that God loves. But now, notice in Job chapter 2, it says again, verse 1 of Job 2, Again there was a day when the sons of God to present themselves before the Lord, Satan also coming among them to present before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, "'From where do you come?' Satan answered and says, From going to and fro from the earth and walking back and forth on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, but there's none like him on the earth? A blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. And still he holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without a cause. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yes. All that a man has, he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will surely curse you to his face. And the Lord says, Behold, he's in your hand, but you can't kill him. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of the foot of his head to the crown of his foot. And he, and he, he took for himself a pot shirt, Job did, in which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. It was so painful. And why do I bring this up? Because there is this uh, evil entity, Satan, our adversary. And as these angels are presenting themselves, one says, I'll do it. I'll persuade him. I'll be a lying spirit. And the Lord says, okay. These people, these angels, these demons, they are on a leash. Do you see that? They can't just do anything. They're, they're not like individual agents do, doing their own will. They have to go before God to say, God, or Jehovah, I want to do this. And God, for purposes that we can't understand. And doesn't he use this stuff to refine us? Doesn't he use these things to get us to... And sometimes it makes people bitter. Sometimes it makes them better. But we won't know where we are gonna, what we're going to do until we are in the situation ourselves. There's something about the trial of affliction that brings out either the worst in us or the best in us. And God's heart, his desire is for it to bring the best out in us. But Satan is always hoping because he doesn't know the mind of God. God is omniscient. He knows all things. But Satan is not omniscient. He doesn't know all things. So God knows that he's going to do all those things to Job. He's going to allow it to happen. But at the end, Job is going to say, I used to hear you, but now I see you with my own eyes. Now I get it. And the Lord restored Job double of all that he had. And that's a true story, folks. That's not just some kind of, you know, Godly parable. Jesus spoke of Job as a real person. This is a real person. This really happened to him. And it's there for our encouragement. Because guess what? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Meaning the spirit of God. You don't have to fear the devil. You don't have to fear Satan for what he might have up his sleeve. Trust me. If you pray and you're a believer in Christ, you can rest in the wonderful grace of God And just keep your eyes on him, no matter what happens to you. Because guess what? The sun shines on the wicked, and and the sun shines on the righteous. And if you're in Christ, you're righteous. Even in spite of our performance. By the blood of Christ, he sees us in Christ, and therefore we are righteous in God. Even in spite of all that. In Revelation, and we're probably going to have to stop here, and I, and I forgive me for going long I always do. I really love this. <laughs> In Revelation chapter 12, just we'll stop here, and we'll pick up here as we begin Second uh, Kings next week. But just want to end with this one thing. Actually, turn there with me. Revelation chapter 12 will end here in this passage. We're just going to look at verses 7 through 12. Because as we're looking at this dialogue in heaven about this, about this lying spirit coming from the very throne room of God, this d- demon that is uh, basically asking God, you know, I'll go, and God says, you're going you're gonna to do the job. Because all those prophets that Ahab has, they're, not, they're on the payroll. They're gonna, they want to please their master. They, wanna, they don't want to bite the hand that feeds them. They want to make sure that they're employed for some time. So they're going to tell him everything he wants to hear. But you go... To, and he gives them, and he goes, and he, this demon, this spirit, uh, infiltrates these 400 prophets. And they all agree, because they're all false prophets. And yes... Now, the Bible tells us, and we believe through the Scripture, that even today, Satan is able to go into the very throne room of God. But it's not going to be that way forever. Because we know that in the future... When the, when the church is removed in what we call the rapture of the church, and then this seven-year period of tribulation occurs on the planet, and then at the end of that seven-year period, Jesus physically comes down on the Mount of Olives with the church, with him, somewhere about halfway, we believe, somewhere in that halfway of that seven-year tribulation period, somewhere halfway point, God is going to do this. Read with me in Revelation 12. And it says, "And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, who is Satan. And the dragon had his angels fought, and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer." Notice that. So the great dragon was cast out, that old that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world, he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God. Notice this. Who accused our brethren before the Lord day and night has been cast down, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth, remember, and the sea. And remember, this is happening right in the middle of this seven-year tribulation period when God is pouring out his wrath for seven years on a world that has rejected Christ. And there comes a point where that war breaks out in heaven, and God kicks Satan and his demons out, and they are no longer able to go back again ever. That's it. And why does he? And now that they're confined to the earth, they know that their time is short. And so, what are they doing? It's getting going to get really wicked on the earth, and the and the, and the intensity is going to get ratcheted up to twenty, because no longer they have to stay on the earth. And do you think it's bad in that first three and a half year period? Oh my goodness, those last three and a half years of that seven year period are going to be the worst of the worst. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you having great wrath. Why? Because he knows that he has a short time. The devil knows the Bible better than we do. (laughs) He knows this word. And he knows what's coming. But it doesn't bother him because he wants to destroy and take as many down with him. He knows his judgment is sure, and the heart of Satan is, if I'm going to go down, then I'm going to take as many as I can, whom you love. And that's all he can do. He can't overpower God, but what he can do is deceive and do whatever he can to take them out of his hand. And yet, there are people who reject him. And God says, that person has made the decision to reject me. And to their very last breath, they were blaspheming my name, shaking their fist at me, hating me, so I will give them their choice. Satan wins a soul. And he wins another soul. But yet there's a whole remnant that say, Lord, I believe in you. And I believe what you've done for me. And Lord, would you save me? Would you forgive me for all the sins that I've committed, Lord? Would you forgive me and cleanse me and take me as I am? Change me? And God says, yes. I can do that because my son has paid the price. You don't have to pay that price. You couldn't pay the price. I have paid the price and welcome to the kingdom of God. Have you all made that choice? I pray that you have. Because you know what? Just as much, we've talked a lot about some judgment and nobody likes to hear about judgment. But guess what? The judgment of God is the other side of his love and grace. And that's just the way it is. You may not like it, but tough, because that's what the Bible says. He loves immensely, but when you reject and scorn him to your last breath, he has no other choice than to give you the alternative, and that's his wrath. So we have to make the decision. Ahab had to make that decision. And I don't believe he made the right decision, because he was given a preview of what was going to happen to him. And he says, I can outsmart God. I'm just not going to put on my robe. They won't even know who I am. And yet some guy out in the field somewhere is pulling back his bow. He's probably got a goofy look on his face. And he just points up and he lets it go, having no idea where it's going to go. And where does it land? Right between the joints of the armor of King Ahab. What are the odds of that? (laughs) Think about it. God, that was a divine arrow. God didn't delight in having him die, but he chose before he went out in that battlefield. He already made the decision of his heart. I will not, I will not obey this God. In fact, I'm going to outsmart him. I'm going to put on something different. They won't even know. I'll just look like any of the other guys. And God says, oh, okay. Hope that works for you. Because I have a guy out in the field. You don't even know who he is. He's like... 30, you know, 300 yards away from you or whatever, and he's just going to, twing! And it's going to hit you right there. It's going to take you out. You thought it was just some kind of random. Hey, listen, you know, I think of David and Goliath. <laughs> you know, when David takes those stones and he grabs that sling, and he's running for Goliath. I love that. He grabs that stone and he starts swirling it around. And you know what? I believe that even at that moment, even if David had a bad day, even if David's aim was just a little off that day, when he started running toward Goliath and he's got that, and he's running at him. And even if the rock fell out of his little leather pouch and went on the ground, I'm convinced that rock would have went and hit Goliath right in the forehead and out the lights go out in Philistine divine and yet god's love don't you love the love of god i hope you do cuz he loves you and there's some pretty t- tough stuff in the in the word of god but you know what it's all meant to draw us closer to him because it's real. We have to take a look at these things, and we can't just dismiss them. We have to look at it. We have to look at the truth. The truth hurts me. It hurt me when I first came to Christ to realize that I was a sinner, and someone told me that I was a sinner, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm better than him. And he's like, well, he's a sinner too. He's just farther down the road than you are, but you're a sinner too. And he had the gall to tell me that I was a sinner. And I'm so glad for that because it wounded my pride, and God's going, good, your pride needs to be wounded because there was another one who had a lot of pride too and uh, he's going to get his. He said, I will, I will, I will, I will. But you know, let's turn that around and say, Lord, I will worship you with all my heart. Lord, I will give my life to you. Lord, I will give my thoughts over to you. I'll give you the my legs and my hands and my feet and my ears. I'm going to give you everything that I am and I just want to serve you, Jesus. I want to serve you and do what you want me to do and what a fulfilled life you will have. Do you want that life? You can find out today. if you If you feel like you're missing something, go before the Lord and say, Lord, I know I'm... 55. I know I'm 60. I know I'm 70. And Lord, I want more of you today than yesterday. Don't settle for today what God is doing. Look for tomorrow and say, Lord, what do you want me to do tomorrow? Regardless of your age, and he's got something for each of us. Do you want to find out what it is? Do you want to surrender to it? Pray that way in the morning when you wake up. Let it be the first thing you pray, and then you watch what God does. You watch what God orchestrates in your life that day. And then you'll think about praying that way the next day. But you'll know, if you're honest, he'll, he'll show you. and Because he wants to bless you. And you will be a blessing. And doesn't it feel good to be a blessing? Would you rather be a blessing to somebody and help somebody and put a smile on somebody's face, be instrumental in building somebody up, or just the opposite? How do you want to go to bed at night? Do you want to go to bed at night thinking that, you know, I've blown it here, I've blown it here, I said this nasty thing, I turned my back on this, I turned my back on that, and then you're just laying there in bed and you're just... And God says, well, you have a decision to make every day. What are you going to choose? It's all about decision. And isn't that what obedience and love is? Submission, submission to God. I know I've kept you and I'm really sorry, sort of. Why don't we stand and let's pray. (laughs) Oh Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your word, Lord. It is a double-edged sword. And Lord, as we look at the life of Ahab Lord, I recognize I see myself in him, especially especially before I came to know you, and even now, Father, there's levels, there's areas, there's little places in my heart that I'm not even aware of yet, where these little places that your light has yet to shed you know, to illuminate, God, and I invite you, and I pray that we would all invite you, Lord, to shine the light of your word on every area of our life and our heart, and Lord, just lovingly bring us to a submission to you. And Lord, and that we will just glorify you. Lord, fill us with your spirit. Lord, we need that. We need you, Jesus,
0: every single day.
1: Would you please do that work in our lives tonight, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all.
0: I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Kings.